Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you and about the Survivor, uh, the VR uh, company that you're building. Um, we sort of got to know each other through the Thai uh, initiative, and I know you you did you know really really well on that. So congratulations for that. Um, but before we get into the story, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing, and, and thanks to all uh, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, so my name's Brian. Uh, I'm the CEO of Survivor, and uh, you know I graduated two years ago in, in 2019 from, from college. This is a company I started uh, while I was a, a sophomore. Uh, my background is in computer science, so that's, that's what I studied in college. And uh, you know, today uh, here at Survivor, uh, I've I've worn a lot of different hats as as uh, any founder would and should. Uh, but I, my top priorities today would include executive leadership, strategic initiatives, uh, culture, and fundraising. Fantastic! And you know, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And when I, when I was you know second third year of college. Last thing I wanted to do was start a company. So <laughs> you're, you're extremely brave and uh, way ahead of your time on that. Um, but what were you studying? What were some of the courses that really got you excited into VR? Uh, tell me about that. Uh, my, there was actually a, a rift between my coursework and, and VR and some of the other cool emerging technologies uh, that got out there. Uh, so... Uh, the reason I wanted to study computer science and software engineering specifically is I, leaving high school, uh, I, I graduated top 10, but I, I didn't really know exactly where I would be in four years after that. Uh, but I did feel that uh, technology would be involved somehow. I think that was one of the right bets that I did make very early on. I don't know where it's going to be, but it's going to be around technology somehow. I believe that technology is the future. Uh, we're seeing waves of new innovations, everything from AI to VR, and that's where I want it to be, no matter what the role or capacity uh, would be. So uh, that's so everything I've done with I started uh, two clubs at the university: one for AI, one for VR. Um, and it was just I was just a curious kid. I. I I was interested to learn. I wanted to meet other people interested in the same same topics, and uh, so it was mostly on on my own initiative. The, the coursework focused on more uh, just core computer science uh, concepts, uh, just everything from uh, basic programming in C plus plus to discrete math, uh, computer architecture, uh, those kinds of things. Fantastic. So. Uh AR and VR uh, are relatively specific things in computer science. You know, there, there, there are thousands of different things you can do. Um, what drew you to th these two things uh, specifically? I, if, I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot of new technologies out there. I mean, I could have gone towards, uh, towards blockchain or anything else too, but I, right. I just gravitated towards what I thought was cool and what I could understand. Uh, okay. So I, I, was, I was a really simple guy. I, I saw VR and AR, and I, I believe that it would become the future of storytelling. Uh, it, these days, I think a lot of content out there is done on 2D screens, and people are forced to read these, these kind of uh, long passages that, that no one really wants to read, which is 
uh, you can apply that towards towards uh, enterprise as well. And I felt that VR as a medium of of content distribution and communication uh, could could uh, mesh better with with a new generation. Uh, I so that's and I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, you put on the headset. I, I can put you on Mars. I can put you on the bottom of the ocean, uh, really wherever. And so I was curious. I just wanted to learn more, and uh, one thing led to another, and here I am today. That's fantastic. No, uh, and, and yeah, knowing what the type of work you're doing, it's it's great. When you started uh, the company initially, what was the initial vision? What were you trying to achieve with these technologies? So we have uh, an interesting history as a company. We started in December 2016. We were not always Survivor. When we started, uh, we were our company was called Emosis, and uh, the the word was the combination of of immersion and osis, which is which means condition of like hypnosis. You know, mm. uh, so Emosis condition of being immersed, and so. We never intended to build a real company, uh, <laughs> right? And I, I did not grow up wanting to, uh, to do a startup or become an entrepreneur, not because I didn't want to do it, just because it never crossed my mind. I didn't know what, what these things were. Uh, it wasn't until right. college that I, I kind of uh, started to, to understand. Uh, so literally the only reason we started the company back in 2016 was because my co-founder, who was still the CTO today, uh, and I, we were part of the VR club that we started. And we just wanted to build projects to showcase the community. Uh, it's one thing to, to host events and talks about uh, abstract principles around the technology, uh, but it's another thing to actually show people what can be accomplished when you apply those principles towards a, a real product that people can see and experience and ideally solve some kind of real world problem as well. So right. uh, we, we just started a company to house the IP so that the, we wouldn't get into any <laughs> with the university. Right. That that's it. So we were literally two nerds that just wanted to build stuff and have fun. So we were building games. We we're bringing it to conventions like South by Southwest. It wasn't until later uh, that we we were like, you know, it would be kind of nice if this was a legitimate business. <laughs> so in 2017, we just decided, all right, let's get into consulting. Like it was, we we kind of assumed it would be easy. It was not, but. Uh, we we kind of realized uh, VR and AR are nascent technologies and a lot of different founders and, and enterprises are trying to get into this, but not many people have the expertise to manage virtual reality production, which is essentially like game production. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a lot more complex and intricate than, you know, building, uh, you know, just scraping together some kind of app over a weekend. Uh, so, right. so we did consulting for a while. I was grinding and going to random events and conferences and uh, chatting up with random people. We, we made 150,000 in services revenue uh, in our first year of consulting uh, before wow. we, we went on to Survivor. But I remember um, uh, our first contract ever was a $500 contract uh, to build a game design document. That, that's, that's how we started. And so looking at where we are now, I just can't believe it. Um, but yeah, anyway, Survivor came around in 2018, September, <laughs> uh, 
And, no, no, uh, no, this is uh, this is amazing. I actually have a quick question uh, on the consulting. Um, what kind of companies were you reaching out to, or were the companies reaching out to you? How did you sort of take that business to the market? I had no cohesive plan. I was just throwing stuff against the wall. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I, I went to a bunch of as many events, like networking events, conferences, and I just try to right. meet random people and strike up a conversation. Most of these never go anywhere, of course, but my priority was always building authentic relationships and providing value first. Only right. my, my policy for me personally, as this, the one salesperson was, uh, if, if I hear out what they're trying to build and I believe that uh, VR, AR isn't, an appropriate solution to, uh, to, uh, or way to implement the solution to their problem, then mm -hmm. I would tell them straight up and we would not sell them. I, I didn't think it was ethically right to do that. Even if they said, yeah, I have this idea. I think VR would be really cool. And I would just step in and I'd listen for 15 minutes and say, no, no, that's what's <laughs> overkill. Uh, you could save yeah. so much money. Uh, so that, that's the approach I took. And uh, of course, you tell some clients to don't, don't do it. Of course, that's not going to go through. But, but it builds trust. It builds referrals. Right. Uh, and, you know, we were working with clients, building projects, um, mainly in uh, gaming. We had, uh, we had a client who, did, uh, who wanted Omnian Reality for children's education, so like K-6. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a, a virtual reality client in physical therapy. So it was kind of all over the place. And um, so, I mean, I could tell you a lot more about our experiences doing services, but uh, that's, that's kind of the, the surface level of it. Okay. So, no, that, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you had that experience uh, with services before you actually started to develop your own product. Um, so what was that transition like? What was the aha moment where you said, okay, no, let, let's not do that. Let's do this instead. Um, yeah. We were, uh, for various reasons, we were kind of getting burnt out from doing services. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, I think the, one of the bigger frustrations from my end is it, it was very difficult for me to, f to form a, a repeatable sales process around it. Because we're, we're pitching ourselves as VR, AR generalists. Unless you pick a niche and you stick to it and you, you focus 200% on it, you're just going to everyone and saying, Hey, we do VR AR stuff. Uh, right. and among other things, I mean, you have to do client relations. You can't, you have to, you're forced to scale with headcount, which isn't really, uh, so a lot of different things. So we had known for a while we wanted to move towards products, but I think we, we were very pragmatic with how we wanted to make that transition. We, we evaluate a lot of different ideas with subject matter experts and, each just one by one, shut down, shut down, shut down. And we were pretty quick about it within one to three weeks usually. Okay. And it was getting pretty frustrating. We just, uh, we just shut down every single idea. And then one day um, we, we met this uh, retired police officer and he actually, he was uh, hosting a, a podcast uh, like you are now. And so we, we got an introduction to him. We said, sure, uh, it's, it's consulting. So you basically want to market everywhere possible. Right. And we get on, we, we have the podcast. We tell him about, about uh, what we're, we're building in, with VR. And he's like, 
I want to try that out. That sounds so cool. We bring him to the office. We let him put him the headset on and he is blown away. He's in this zombie game and he's like, oh my God, they're all up in my face. And (laughs) he's like, this is the most immersive experience uh, I've ever had. Have you guys considered using this to train the police? And we were like, I guess it's crossed our minds before, but can you, can you elaborate on that? And he, he goes into the, the constant liabilities and risks that police officers face when they come on the streets uh, and face a number of unpredictable types of calls to service uh, individuals and situations. And he, he kind of tells us about how current police simulators are and how what the technology that, that we specialize in could blow that way out of the water. Uh, so I, we did a lot of research and for the first time, a lot of it turned back positive and gave us more reason to to explore further um and ultimately i would say uh, we fell in love with not just the business opportunity but but we we could actually use our expertise to create a positive impact on the world i mean we started this company uh, to make our community safer we wanted to help people go home at night and so uh, I, one of the uh, there were a lot of advantages of starting two years prior with the consulting and game production business. It allowed us to build a lot of in-house development tools that we carried over to Survivor. Uh, We built and started to manage development teams. Uh, We had internal uh, operational processes. uh, And of course, the services revenue that we we could just funnel straight into Survivor and bootstrap. So that was one of the ways we managed that transition. We also did pitch competitions and we did, we did decently well. uh, And and that gave us more funds to bootstrap with. Uh, But it was just really idea by idea evaluating, is it worth our time or not? Uh, What are the risks? And ultimately we, we found, we settled on uh, what later became survivor. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I love that trial and error type uh, philosophy where you can go through a bunch of ideas very quickly, like you said, you know, in a week or two, and then just turn them around until you find an idea that really works. So uh, again, that's, that's a fantastic strategy. Um, So with that police officer, when you started to work on, um, you know, your product survivor, um, what was, what was the initial version like, and what were you trying to achieve? in those in it, it, i mean i i know a lot of first person shooter games and things like that uh but you guys your mission was something different from what i what what it sounds like how did that vision develop when when we were starting to plan the initial prototype we made it very clear that there is there this there's a big responsibility that we have to build and deploy a real police training simulator, not a Grand Theft Auto game. Right. So, so we, I think one of the things we did right when we started the company was we started to, uh, to contact and, and bring on the help of as many law enforcement officers as possible. So, um, the police officer uh, we first met with, he's still on the team today. He's our lead sales representative. Oh, wow. uh, we brought on a chief of police to our advisory board. Uh, we, we worked through connections to, to speak in front of uh, police events. 
which was how we got a lot of the initial interest and we set up our pilots accordingly. But the first product, or it's, it's not even a finished product, it wasn't deployable. It was, it was a prototype. It, we had one and a half training scenarios. Uh, okay (laughs) yeah they were like extremely simplistic compared to what we have today it was it was essentially a nice proof of concept if anything it was enough for us to show uh well first to demonstrate internally that we could at least build something and and second to it's enough for us to take it out to to the market and say hey this is what we're trying to build this is what we have so far this is where we're trying to go and you kind of convey that pipeline Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's enough to get people hooked and that's all I needed to start, uh, start setting up demos at each of these police departments and saying, Hey, we're trying to start this pilot program during the summer. Uh, we're looking for up to five police departments in the area to, to pilot to, uh, would you be interested in have all those discussions? But we were really good at rapid prototyping. That was a good thing. We, we move quickly. Right. No, that's fantastic. And so when you were looking for those pilots, uh, uh, you know, to set up five, the first five pilots, what was the response you were getting? Was it like, oh, you have one and a half scenario. It's not worth our time. Or what was the initial reaction uh, from the market? Uh, I think the initial reaction was very positive. Uh, they, They... Of course, it was a whole room of, of different law enforcement chiefs. It was a it was a, a monthly chiefs meeting that we went and spoke to, and towards the end of it, I think twenty ish came up to us afterward to to try to demo uh, uh, and and speak to us more. So uh, overall, the, the ones that came up, they they got it. They they understood what what we were trying to build and where we we're trying to go. Like, training similars are not a novel concept uh, for mm-hmm. law enforcement. So so they were able to, to grasp it pretty well. Uh, but I am I'm very grateful for for those forward thinking uh, leaders. You you really need those when you first start out. because um, the we had one and a half scenarios. They were so simple. They, there were bugs. Our in our first handgun was the most ratchet thing in existence it, it, it we we didn't have the process that we have today for for uh, uh in, installing the the different technology components inside so it can communicate with the uh with the system and still look like a, a clean clean hanger no we had wires sticking out there was duct tape on it <laughs> it was it was a mess but it was enough that's that's the right point we I think that's one of the things we, we were able to recognize early on is that it, it sh- it's not going to be and it shouldn't be a, a perfect product or anywhere near uh, finish. It should just be enough to move to the next step. All you need is a hook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So now tell me, let, let's uh, describe the product for people who are listening because I've seen photos that I've seen uh, the videos uh, of the product, but it's essentially a goggle. Uh, tell us all the pieces that go that, that are part of that equation. Yeah, so uh, I'll break it down from the ground up. So uh, virtual reality police training simulator. You imagine you are an officer, you put on a VR headset, and we suddenly transport you into one of many different types of possible scenarios, everything from simple or complex traffic stops, 
Uh, we can throw you in domestic violence situations, emotionally disturbed individuals, school shooters, suicidal individuals. So these are all the scenarios. Yeah, and like, that's yeah, we, the software that you have. In yeah, and we have a we have a lot. I'm just listing the first ones that come to mind. Right. Uh, and you imagine that you you're suddenly immersed in this lifelike uh, scenario where where and you as an officer you're supposed to confront uh, this individual for, which of course depending on the scenario could be for a variety of reasons um and we it, it's our training encompasses every decision that you could possibly make everything from use of force so do you have to apply force period first and if so what level of force uh, did you deploy and why? And ultimately, was that the right decision? Uh, but also, uh, and one thing that, that we really specialize in compared to other simulators is communication, de-escalation, and empathy skills uh, with, with other suspects who are, well, they're, they're humans. And, and right. so, uh, so it's basically one of the, the, the main selling points of our simulator is each our scenarios can be modified in real time. Uh, so it, well, how current simulators do it is they'll essentially play videos on huge TV screens. And yeah. if you know, it's like a YouTube video. Videos by definition will play from start to end. They are pre-scripted, they are predetermined. So therefore, if you try to talk to a YouTube video, go ahead, turn on the Titanic and try to talk to, uh, to Jack. Is that his name? But try to talk to him and see if he responds. They do not care what you say or what you do. This is how police training is, is predominantly done. Uh, they'll play these videos of these scenarios, but you, you can't really uh, communicate and, and try to, to really de-escalate a suspect because the videos are going to keep playing. They're going to keep talking over to you. I've done it myself. I've been in a similar. It is incredibly awkward. Right. Uh, and we, were, we wanted to design the system the complete opposite way to where these scenarios at any second in time can, can permutate towards a completely different direction. And so you can have realistic back and forth conversations with the virtual suspects because now they will respond to you and you don't know what they're going to respond with. They could respond right. with anything verbally or physically. Right. And that's, that's what I love about VR that, you know, like you said, video if you've seen it once, you know how it's going to end, right? So then it, there, there really isn't a point in going through it a second time or a third time because you know the ending. Uh, whereas in, in VR, you can take the same scenario, play it five different times and come out with five different endings, right? Right, exactly. Well, so I, I heard a story once and uh, this police officer uh, uh, back in the day used uses those similar training simulators and he said yeah you basically know that when the woman steps out and she's wearing the budweiser t-shirt you're gonna shoot her <laughs> but if she steps out in the henneken t-shirt you're not gonna shoot her because you know already what's gonna happen that, that's right. how and what's the point and then when you come across a situation in real life you're not prepared to 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 think on your feet to to communicate right. back and forth to a lot of to whether they're going to be threatening you, they're going to be aggressive, uh, they're going to say something that you've never heard before and you, you don't know how to respond, things like that. Videos right. can prepare you for that. Right. No, absolutely. And that, that's why I love your product. 
Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, what's included in the kit that, uh, uh, you know, that, that you're selling with uh, the VR headset you already mentioned. Uh, are there guns? Are there, you know, other things that the officer can use in that simulation? Um, what are some of the other pieces? Yeah, so the goal here is to immerse police officers in the most realistic uh, circumstances possible. It should be right. as if they're there in the real world, and therefore they should have every force option on their duty belt that they normally would have. And so, uh, so it it can vary by police departments, but typically there's there's a handgun involved, which type will again vary. Um, uh, there's a taser, there's pepper spray. Uh, sometimes there may be batons. We have rifles. So, so it, it really, it can depend on, on the, the customer. Some of them have no need for certain things, but we, we essentially give them every force option that they usually would have. Got it. Got it. Okay, perfect. Um, so let's talk about where you are today. You, you obviously uh, have made a lot of progress since 2018. Uh, have lots of scenarios now. Um, what, where are you today and what's the next challenge that you're working on now? Yeah, so uh, we, we had a, a successful uh, first year sales uh, after we, we launched uh, and uh, that, that was in, in 2020. So uh, this year we're, we're essentially in, in growth mode. We're, we're trying to build up on this revenue from, from the prior years as much as we can and look back at the, the data uh, from last year's sales marketing data. All right, what, what worked, what didn't work, what should we invest more, more in and, and why do we believe that's the case and figure out and fine tune what levers are we pulling uh, to, to stimulate that growth. And so uh, that's a very high level answer, but, um, but I think, one of the biggest priorities is growing our, our sales force. And so we're, we've taken multiple different creative steps to, to trying to do that. But that, that's, I would say that's the big thing uh, in, in the short term. Okay. And the, I think the main message that you've already mentioned a couple of times is de-escalation. And obviously 2020 was a challenging year for a lot of reasons, uh, uh, least of which is, you know, all of the, racial uh, uh, issues that have surfaced. Um, how was your product received in that environment uh, with the focus on de-escalation? What we saw was inbound actually increased afterwards. Uh, and, you know, for example, one of our customers, it's, it's, uh, it's a capital city, and uh, they were telling us that, yeah, we we obviously loved your simulator, otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here buying it. But, you know, beyond the actual capabilities of, of the product, we want yet another thing to tell our communities that, hey, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing to improve our police forces to better serve you. And so right. it, it, it sort of, we, we kind of saw uh, an added value proposition there. Uh, right from the customers and that that's more of an administrative value proposition. Uh, so the, the chief and the sheriff would be interested in that in particular. Uh, but, uh, but I think overall, I think that we sell trading. We don't right. sell, we're not selling tear gas, you know, like, <laughs> right. so, 
Uh, last year was absolutely an, an interesting year, but training is always needed. Training is not going away. Law enforcement always has, uh, has training standards every, every 12 to 24 months uh, anyway at the, at the minimum, um, uh, which can vary by state. But uh, we, we felt that no matter how bad uh, world events or the economy will get, training is not going to go away. Yeah. You cannot have a police force that's not adequately trained right uh so Absolutely. so we if anything we we saw increased growth after uh, after events from from last year okay fantastic and, and if people want specific information obviously we have all of that as part of your profile on startup steroid so if investors are listening they can certainly register and get access to all of that information but now let's talk about the future let's talk about the next 12 months um what are you trying to achieve you already mentioned you know, growing out and building out your uh, sales team. Um, how are you, what else is required to really scale the company? Um, are there any other technical challenges you need to achieve? Uh, any other, um, you know, hardware issues that you need to take care of? Anything like that? Uh, on the product side, our, our engineering pipeline is, is fairly aggressive. We're uh, if, if you want to think about it from a more abstract level, even even beyond twelve years, uh, the the goal of the the engineering team is to identify uh, all the different gaps between the current product that we have, the latest iteration, and what a real world experience call the service is like, and removing those gaps one by one. Every release we push out should increasingly be more lifelike so that's kind of a and that can obviously mean a lot of different things and and our our pipeline uh, accounts for that but but uh I, our product is in a pretty good spot we each scenario platform we have can again since because they can be modified in real time and there's no predetermined end point uh they they essentially have infinite permutations they can end in an infinite number of ways so there's there's endless repeatability in, in every different platform that we have. And we have like over 25 at this point. So, wow. uh, so the product is in a good, good spot. It's, it's more about, about fine tuning uh, at this point. Uh, so a lot of the big focus is, is really on, on sales and marketing. We're attending more conferences. Um, we were going to do that last year, but COVID wipes everything out. So, so right. we, we couldn't lean on that yet. Uh, our efforts last year were largely di digital, and so uh, we're we're increasing our presence. We've we've uh, partnered with more uh, more, I guess, ad companies, strategic uh, marketing companies in the law enforcement space. Uh, we're we're looking at potential uh, strategic sales partners. Uh, and of course, growing our internal sales force as well, where inbound has been increasing nicely. Marketing is, is working. And so uh, we're getting more inbound leads each week than our current sales team can, can handle. It, it gets really stressful sometimes and it just nonstop travel. And uh, some of our sales reps uh, don't really get to see their families often. And I, I feel really guilty about that. So we're, uh, we're a lot of it's, it's making sure we have more feet on the ground to manage, uh, manage the, the incoming demand because the industry is only becoming more educated on, on VR training methods. 
um, and also finding creative ways internally to make sales marketing more efficient. Got it. No, that's fantastic. And yeah, so now the focus is really on scaling uh, the business. Um, so that that's the perfect time for uh, an investor to come in and uh, you know ride that rocket ship with you. Um, let me ask you about the big vision for the company. Um, where are you hoping to take this, let's say over the next five years or beyond? Um, where do you see this company going? When people think about e-commerce, they usually think about Amazon. When people think about search, they think about Google. In five plus years from now, when people think about public safety training, I want them to think about Survivor. Uh, the goal, the vision here is to become the world's highest standard of law enforcement training, uh, to be the most undeniably lifelike training experience that any public safety official can get. And that, when I say that, I don't mean just law enforcement. You have fire, you have EMS, uh, you have other adjacent types of responders, private security uh, as well. Even today, we, we have different leads reaching out. We have private security, we have universities high schools of, of all places, but, but it's, it's actually happening. Uh, uh, and so that, that's really the, the big, big vision that we want to become the most trusted source of realistic police training. Uh, and by then we'll, we'll surely be in a lot more uh, verticals as well. Uh, different organizations beyond law enforcement require public safety training. Fantastic. That, that's a great mission to, uh, chase after and uh, try to achieve. So uh, fantastic. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us today. I, I really appreciated learning more about you and the company. Um, is there anything I, I haven't asked you that you think is important that you, you'd like to highlight? And this question always catches me off guard. <laughs> um, uh, well, I think uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the team that we've built. We have 10 full-time employees today. 50% of our full-time employees are former law enforcement. And wow. so we, we can really say that we are made by cops for cops. Uh, and of course, we, we balance that out as, as much as possible uh, with, with other um, external uh, uh, sources of feedback. And uh, But we we built up a, a very interesting and and driven team today and and I, again this this ties back to one of the first things we did was if we're gonna break into law enforcement we need to have law enforcement experts and and that that was one of the things that actually turned out to be be correct and it it actually came to fruition so i i'm really proud of the team they 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 hustle uh very hard each week and and uh, I, I, I wouldn't be anywhere here without them. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the perfect note to sort of end the uh, interview on. Um, and yeah, 50% uh, of the full-time employees are uh, police officers. I think that, that says a, a ton about you, about the company, and about the product. So. Um, once again, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciated having you here and I uh, hope to make the introductions with investors, um, uh, you know, uh, through the platform and uh, 
get you the resources you need to continue scaling. Um, so thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.